This is an RNZ podcast. Last Wednesday, Murray Kirkness, the editor of the New Zealand Herald's publisher NZME, and Shane Curry, his predecessor at the Herald, who's now NZME's editor-at-large, both put themselves forward for an Ask Us Anything online Q&A about the state of the media. And predictably, perhaps, there were lots of questions about political bias, trust and standards at the Herald, and a few gripes about Tareo and Māori issues mixed in. But in response to one reader asking about the prospects of our news media, Shane Carey replied like this. I expect we'll see more local partnerships, more innovation and a more coordinated approach to addressing the global issues impacting the industry. The Fair Digital News Bargaining Bill is an important aspect to this. Now this was the only time that the Fair Digital News Bargaining Bill came up in that online forum. No surprise really as it's not really been headline news. But media leaders know all about it because it could be a financial lifesaver. And the following day they descended on Parliament to try and persuade MPs to turn it into law. Well we'll hear what happened at Parliament last Thursday in a minute. But first, just what is the Fair Digital News Bargaining Bill? Well, essentially, it's a proposal to pressure Google and Facebook's owner Meta to pay New Zealand media companies for local news and content, which they carry on their powerful and lucrative online platforms. And their success over the past 20 years has come at the cost of local media, who've lost the lion's share of their ad revenue to those platforms, while at the same time becoming more dependent upon them to reach an audience online. In Australia, the government reacted with legislation to force the tech titans to do deals with news publishers if they didn't hammer out their own deals by themselves. And while that was untidy, it has put millions of dollars back into news publishers, both big and small, though most of it went to the big ones. Well, here, news publishers got permission from the Commerce Commission to bargain collectively with Google and Meta to make sure that big and small alike could all benefit if they ever did get around the table. But they need the government to pass a law to force the tech companies to do that. Now having said it would wait and see what happened across the ditch, the former Labour government finally put forward the Fair Digital News Bargaining Bill last August. Now this tasks the Broadcasting Standards Authority with creating a bargaining code for digital platforms and news media companies and if agreement on payment can't be reached, an arbitration process would kick in and the BSA can hand down fines and penalties of $3 million or more for failing to bargain in good faith or for refusing to engage in compulsory bargaining. Now at the time the bill was presented to Parliament, News Hub's Rebecca Wright asked the then Minister of Broadcasting, Willie Jackson... What took so long? We've got this. We've got this in place. It's taken got, too long, though, hasn't it? Uh, it has taken too long. But the main the main point is it's in now. And look, any right-thinking person um, or right-thinking party would support this because you don't want to get offside with the media, do you, Rebecca? No, I don't think you do. <laughs> I don't think you're not in an election campaign period anyway. Well, that election came just two months later, and Willie Jackson's government went out, and it looked like that bill would follow it out the door. The National Party's Minister-in-Waiting, Melissa Lee, told Stuff that governments should not be involved in the business of the Fourth Estate, and the ACT Party had opposed the bill in Parliament last year as well. But the new government's media minister, Melissa Lee, didn't kill the bill when she was appointed. She allowed it to go through to the select committee stage. And earlier this month, the briefing to the incoming Minister of Media warned that the traditional media business models are failing. And the Sunday Star Times reported that the Newspaper Publishers Association had not given up hope on the bill progressing. Late last year, the News Publishers Association hired its first public affairs director to push for this, 
Andrew Holden, the former editor of the Press in Christchurch and later of Melbourne's main daily, The Age. And Andrew Holden told the Sunday Star Times this about the legislation. The heartbeat is there. It may not be exceptionally strong, but still, the heartbeat is there. There is hope. The opportunity is there for us to make the case. Well, that opportunity came last Thursday before the Economic Development, Science and Innovation Committee and several of the media bosses who spoke there gave the impression their own heartbeat wasn't too strong either and they all said they were in an unfair fight to survive against Google and Facebook. The first up was Daryl Holden, the managing editor of the Ashburton Guardian, who said that in spite of innovating and even putting up a paywall, his intensely local 145-year-old paper was now in jeopardy and it wasn't the only one. This could be the collapse of New Zealand media. And with that, we know what effect that could have on communities that have relied on them for so long. Stuff is of a very different scale to the Ashburton Guardian. It has 19 newsrooms nationwide employing hundreds of journalists, the owner Sinead Boucher told the committee hearing on Thursday. But journalism there, she said, is in a fight for its life too and clinging on by its fingertips against some of history's biggest companies. I don't think it's generally well understood how, how much they control the entire digital ecosystem. They control access to the internet, access to your audience. They harness your customer data and build products off it. They, use, they control the advertising technology and are able to set pricing and, and the sort of digital advertising world there. Um, the tendrils are everywhere. And um, no matter what our businesses do to try and meet the needs of their audiences and things, they are essentially like running up a hill all the time, um, trying to catch up to uh, the platforms that are harnessing all the, all the value. Speaking for Commercial Radio's Umbrella Group, the Radio Broadcasters Association Chief Jaina Ranguni told the committee this. What the government is asking New Zealand media companies to do is to compete against the likes of Google and Meta in the current regulatory framework is like asking the All Blacks to compete at a Rugby World Cup in New Zealand in bare feet. It is not a level playing field. There is just absolutely no way that any of this legislation is about helping the New Zealand media companies. It is about trying to deal with the issues of a huge imbalance in the market structure that we're operating in. Now, RNZ doesn't have to worry about digital ad revenue being fully funded by the taxpayer, but its chief executive, Paul Thompson, told the committee that the survival of journalism in New Zealand was a matter of national sovereignty. And he said that the tech platforms hadn't acknowledged the benefits they've had from New Zealand news and wouldn't do so of their own volition. It's a level playing field that allows us to enter into good faith negotiations and extract fair value from those discussions. If they were going to happen to a satisfactory level, they would have happened by now. And there was plenty more said by more media bosses on Thursday backing the fair digital news bargaining bill. And there was plenty too from opponents who argued it was unnecessary or possibly even an overreach of state power on the affairs of the news media and the digital media business. Google and Meta incidentally didn't turn up at the hearing, but their submissions on the bill do say that it's unfair, ignores economic reality of publishing today, and misunderstands the way their platforms work, as well as the value they believe they do deliver to news publishers. You can read more about all that in our online roundup of last Thursday's hearing. That's on the MediaWatch page of the RNZ website. But when his own turn came to speak at Thursday's hearing, the News Publishers Association's Andrew Holden cited Cyclone Gabriel, which struck one year ago this week. 
We know about the difficulties in Tairawhiti and Hawke's Bay because of the journalists on the ground who are reporting and telling us exactly what's occurring there and the difficulties that still exist. Google and Facebook know that we value news, but because of their dominance of social media, they're taking the lion's share of the digital advertising. And they pay nothing to the companies who provide that information, whether it's from the Port Hills or the aftermath of Cyclone Gabrielle. Put simply, the market is broken. Just like the homes, businesses and properties in Hawke's Bay and Tairawhiti, it needs to be fixed. We believe this legislation is the most efficient and timely way to do this here in New Zealand. So what happens next? And what is the publisher's plan B if the weak heartbeat that Andrew Holden identified wasn't pumped up enough by their pitch to MPs last Thursday? We're likely to see that select committee come to an agreement in terms of what they think of the legislation and what might change. And uh, so still a couple of months before it gets to the minister. And at that point, we'll hear from Minister Lee whether she thinks it's worth pursuing with the legislation or whether she's going to kill it off. Well, there was, uh, I guess, a unity of opinion among the media publishers who were there, whether they were Ashburton Guardian sized or stuff, NZME sized, the big companies, that the playing field wasn't level. Um, but look, in the past, like publishers were pretty keen to exploit the opportunities of online, right? When this effectively had opened up a new playing field to them, the online one. At what point did you realise or other publishers realise, actually, this isn't really working for you and that, you know, now you need a law to compel them to basically return you money for your news? I think we've seen that progression over probably the, the certainly the last five years where you've seen uh, companies like Google... Uh, and Facebook, to a certain extent, start to uh, change and tighten the algorithms that uh, that operate within their platforms that then determine what kind of information is presented to you. When you do a search for any particular element, there will be a range of, of articles that will come to you first, and you'll notice, in fact, that it's the sponsored content that comes to you first, which basically means the companies have paid Google. They've, these major tech companies have, have seen the, the advertising opportunity the financial opportunity and have have fundamentally geared the the algorithms on their platforms to suit them. That, that's essentially what's happened. And, and the great frustration for publishers over the years is that they've had no warning of those change of algorithms. They've had no opportunity to uh, engage and, and argue the toss, if you like. And we can certainly see um, from the Advertising Standards Authority chart over the last decade uh, the, the growth of interactive digital-only advertising. It's gone from around $700 million in 2015 to 1.7 billion in the last 12 months. If we go back to another issue, um, say that the, when stuff tried to merge with NZME, at that point we also had, you know, the message coming out to the public. 30 editors, I think, co-signed a, um, a letter saying we all this merger must happen. It's critical to the survival of news. You know, this whole message about the limited lifespan of news if current market conditions aren't um, ameliorated was out then too. Do we have to be a bit, little bit suspicious about this absolute unanimity among? Publishers, because you could certainly use the Profumo um, scandal famous line of, well, of course they would say that, wouldn't they? Um, but I mean, these are companies that uh, are more than happy to compete aggressively with each other. There isn't a un um, unanimous opinion around, for example, uh, commercial publishers like Stuff and NZME. But what's very clear here and, and, and came through yesterday is, is this is basically a market breakdown. The it, it skewed dramatically 
in favour of the big tech companies. Um, and it's this kind of legislation that we're arguing, you know, is needed. I remember 12 years ago, a guy from Google came to New Zealand. He was a guy that developed Google Maps. And at that point, he was saying, look, news companies don't, that don't want us crawling over them and surfacing their stuff, they can opt out if they want. Would you be saying it's not something you can opt out of, their dominance of the oh, digital marketplace? Absolutely. So look, there's a, there's a really good Swiss study that's, uh, that's gone into, and their research shows that 90% of people search for information via a search engine. The vast majority of people will go onto Google or Bing and they'll say Cyclone Gabrielle search and it might, or they might even write in stuff because they want to go to the stuff website, but they're going to it via Google. And that gives Google the opportunity to make money out of that. Clip the ticket long before you get anywhere near the stuff website. Well, Meta and uh, Google were not taking part in that committee hearing, uh, although they have submitted on the bill. So just kind of paraphrasing here, but uh, Meta, for example, said the bill ignores basic economic realities of uh, the digital marketplace these days. They say the bill does not provide for fair dealings. It's really compulsion. It will compel Meta to enter into commercial agreements uh, that they say misunderstand or ignore how their platforms actually work. Also, Meta cited the free value we provide news publishers. They say... In the year to September 2022, 390 million links, or clicks, sorry, uh, delivered to New Zealand news media companies via Facebook. They estimate that to be worth $33 million to them. None of that was mentioned by any of the publishers in the hearing. Oh, they do deliver some value, but it's a minuscule amount compared with what they're earning out of it. I mean, these are the same arguments they've used in Australia, they've used them in Canada, they use them in every jurisdiction to try and bat this away. When... They are obliged to come to the negotiating table. They do do deals. I mean, in, in Australia now, there's 23 agreements between Google and the media publishers. But Meta, which everybody's fearful will just walk away and have absolutely nothing to do with it, mm. has 13 agreements in Australia with media companies, which at the end is delivering around $200 million to media companies in Australia. So relationships now between the big tech companies and the media publishers there are far better than they were before that legislation has come in because that, that dispute, if you like, has been finished. They've got around the table. They've had that commercial negotiation and now they can move on from that. Um, you know, we, we don't really know what the fair value, market value of news is, do we? Well, let's get them in the room. I mean, that's the point. They won't come and sit in the room and sit down with New Zealand publishers and have that conversation and have that argument over, but I'm providing you this versus what I'm getting out of it. I mean, you know, let's face it, Facebook makes $200 million a year out of the New Zealand market, a country of 5 million people. So it's not as though it's of no value to them whatsoever. So you would so, find out if they did get in the room without the legislative backstop, you know, if that's their argument, you'd say, yeah. And, you know, and the point was made by a number of people, that, you know, including Grant McKenzie out of Allied Press down in Dunedin, try and get Facebook in the room. They, they simply won't come into the room and have that negotiation to you. NZME pointed out they had a one-year deal with, with Meta, with Facebook, that hasn't been renewed because they don't believe this legislation is going to go through. So because they split away from your organisation's collective effort. Yeah, right? they, they went on their own. So <clears throat> what they're, they're saying to us or, or to the public in general is, Unless Facebook feels like they're obliged to come in and have a conversation with New Zealand media companies, they're not going to. Then You're not even going to get to that point where you can have a legitimate debate around what the true value is. So you raised the Australian experience um, where the government did back up the media industry. Uh, yes, it's delivered a big stream of revenue to the media. There are arguments about whether the bigger companies benefit more than the smaller ones. But what about Canada? Because people say that appears 
not to have worked. Uh, Meta blocked links to news on Facebook. Google threatened it. Um, news companies are still trying to go- negotiate, we believe, with the government, you know, for effectively bailouts. Things aren't working there, right? Uh, oh, well, not necessarily. I mean, so Google has done a deal um, uh, via the Canadian government to deliver $100 million every year across the media organisations within um, within Canada. And they've come up with a formula that determines which news organisations with Canada get what portion of that $100 million. And that's an ongoing deal. It's not a three-year deal with a, with a finite lifespan. That continues on and on. So there is $100 million there. Um, so in that respect, it has been successful. I mean, the, the, the argument around um, Meta and Facebook uh, and their retribution, if you like, I mean, what are we saying here? That clearly Meta has demonstrated they have no corporate social responsibility they're more than happy to damage the communities that they've profited from if it means that they don't have to get forced into a room to have a negotiation. So are we supposed to, at that point, suddenly give up and say, well, because of this bullying behaviour, therefore we're not going to force them to the table because we're fearful of that? And and that goes to the point made by RNZ's Chief Exec Paul Thompson yesterday. There is an element of national sovereignty here that says that Within our country, that kind of corporate bullying behaviour shouldn't be acceptable. You could, if you wanted, introduce into this legislation an all-in or an all-out kind of clause that says to the likes of Facebook, well, if you want to operate within New Zealand, you don't get to pick and choose who's allowed to use your platform. Either everybody can use it or you don't operate in New Zealand. I think the question here for New Zealand is, what do we believe is fair in terms of our media organisations and that lion's share of digital advertising. And if that means that we feel we need legislation to bring the likes of Meta to the negotiating table, then we should introduce it. But what about if there's, they've held a fundamental line, both Google and Facebook, for years? They don't want to take editorial responsibility for media. They've provided tools and journalism training programs, things like that. I received an invitation to take part in a Google-sponsored free data journalism workshop uh, coming up shortly. That's the sort of thing they do. That's as far as they want to go. If they're preserving their position as we're just pipes or platform, we're just a means of getting information in front of people, we're not editors, we're not media companies, we're not employers, we're not funders of journalism or shouldn't be directly, why don't aren't they entitled to hold that line. If that's their philosophical position, all they are is that. And if they comply with national uh, legislation on standards and, and pay as much tax as they really need to, then wh- why would they give ground on something like this? Not if they're using media content to make significant revenue and they're not paying for that. So there are a couple of good examples given But could yesterday. media companies not withhold it if they really felt that strongly about it? But again, wouldn't do no, anyone any good. But, but again, they could. No, well, that's right because it, because essentially, what are you saying then? You're, you're saying that the New Zealand media need to, if ninety percent of people, and let's let's even take ten percent off that New Zealand, say eighty percent here, if they're looking for news or information, will go to a search engine to find out of that. What are you saying that? Our major media companies who provide the detail around the Port Hills fire or Cyclone Gabriel or anything like that have to, they're obliged to remove themselves from the digital sphere and that information isn't available to the people of New Zealand, that would be a catastrophic result. It's not actually what the broad nature of journalism in Australia, in New Zealand, sorry, is about. So again, the fact that you've got big tech companies here who've skewed the technology in their favour to suggest that they don't have 
an obligation, if you like, to sit down and have a fair negotiation with the with the producers of the content that they're use, using. I, I just think that's a fallacious argument. Well, one of the uh, third parties, if, if I could put it that way, who appeared before the committee yesterday, so not representing publishers or uh, tech companies or taking a political position, uh, retired former judge David Harvey. Um, so he's had an interest in cyber law and technology and copyright um, for some time. I think former chair of the Copyright Tribunal, I, I believe. He said, you know, you could use existing copyright laws for this. You don't need this bill. Or he suggested that. Is, is that, I mean, why couldn't copyright law come into play if if this is republication of stuff that you hold the rights for, your members do? Well, the simple fact of the matter is Sinead Boucher from Stuff pointed out the Select Committee yesterday. Is Who's that the is current chair of the NPA? Current chair of the NPA, that's correct, is that that's a hugely expensive way of trying to determine your copyright, to, to, to instigate... Uh, a legal writ against the like of Google, with, which has substantially more financial power than the publishers here do, to take them to the courts in New Zealand, the detail that you have to provide uh, and the years that it's going to take you to go through that legal hearing and potential appeals afterwards, it's not a practical way. The only media company that I'm aware of in the world who's attempting that is the New York Times right now against Microsoft and OpenAI around the use of New York Times content to train their, um, their AI chatbots. New York Times is, is one of the greatest, largest media companies in the world. News Corporation could well have done this, if you like, in jurisdictions like Australia, taken another Copyright Act. Essentially, what you're hearing from the media organisations around the world is that's just not a practical way to get these big companies to the negotiating table and come up with a fair result. So Ashburton Guardian versus Meta Inc. in the court. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it, it would be a difficult it, one. It, it, it's not going to happen. And, mm. and I thought Daryl Holden, he's no relation of mine, but I thought, you know, he was the opening um, uh, presenter yesterday at the Select Committee. And he's the, the managing editor of the Ashburton. Yeah, and, and he's a part owner now of the business. And, and, you know, he was really honest around the difficulties that they're facing. Uh, they've been publishing what since uh, for 145 years, I think it is, and they're now realistically looking at going fully digital. Um, it's a really tough game for people like Daryl and, and the other small publishers, whether it's the Muirs and Gisborne or Lee Scanlon at the Westport News. There's a whole range of them. And, and let's forget that, that that's one of the remarkable things about New Zealand and its, and its media ecosystem, if you like. It's pretty unusual in the world. Good Lord, we've still got afternoon newspapers here where nobody else has got them. There's, there's a plethora of small businesses who've been serving their communities for generations and are hanging on, as was described yesterday by their fingernails. They're in real trouble. And they are aware that because of the skewing of digital advertising to big tech, they need some help simply to get in the door and have that negotiation. Well, finally, if we could move to the political response uh, to the bill and, and what will determine this. So, interestingly, um, the Cabinet paper for this digital bargaining bill, fair digital news bargaining bill, uh, says, continued public funding of public interest journalism increases risks around the perceived independence of and public trust in the media. So this was saying, like, the public interest journalism fund and COVID-era um, emergency type payments to, to media industry. Uh, these things created a lot of public and scepticism, but a political push behind that by some parties as well. Do you think then that 
the current government might find it persuasive that if this bargaining bill goes through, news media can find a source of revenue from big tech companies that will mean they won't have to enter into these arrangements of public funding of of journalism and uh, companies that haven't previously had it, and that they will find that a good outcome. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The commercial commercial publishers don't like the the kind of schemes around the PGIF. It was needed at the time because of COVID, but they don't like going cap in hand to government and having to justify why they need a journalist to sit in a courtroom or whatever else they might want to do. They want to be able to make intelligent decisions for their business and their for their community without the intervention or, or, or the justification to government. They've been doing that for is, you know, is that a century a message, and a half. Is that a message you're actually giving them as a representative of the MPA? Are you actually saying, you agree to this bill, you won't have... You, you won't have the problems the Labour government had with uh, you know, all the suspicion about um, directly funding journalism. You know, we'll, we'll get it from the tech companies and you won't have to be involved. Well, you never know. Say never, Colin. But, but that is certainly the message that I'm hearing very clearly from the commercial publishers is that their preference is not to have government involvement in the way that journalism is funded. You heard again from Daryl Holden yesterday saying he's got three journalists who are funded through New Zealand On Air. Those contracts finish in 12 to 18 months' time. Does he go again, cap in hand, back to NZ On Air and justify why he needs three more journalists for another 12 months? Nobody can operate in that kind of environment. What you want is a sustainable uh, level of financial revenue that allows you to make independently the right decisions for your business and your community without any need for government intervention. So have you talked to the minister, the new minister about it? Melissa Lee, has she sought you out or or communicated with the NPA? Uh, Sinead and uh, I had a meeting with her briefly in December before Christmas, just as an introduction. And uh, Sinead knows her and has uh, chatted with her on a number of occasions. And and again, it was just a reiteration that uh, we wanted to see this legislation go through and and were pleased to hear that she was going to let it go to select committee. Mm. So it's not just the minister, of course, or indeed the, uh, what, six MPs on that uh, EDSI committee uh, that you addressed on Thursday. Uh, MPs of three parties, I guess, would have to be persuaded of this. So when you talked about, you know, it'd be terrible if uh, you know, New Zealand news media stories were not available on the digital platforms almost everybody uses. That's not in the public interest. Do you think MPs from National Act, New Zealand First, do you think enough of them actually share that belief that somehow the news media really is in the public interest, that you're not just a, a business looking for, uh, you know, a, an advantage like any other business? Come election time, they all go and sit in on debate forums with their local newspapers in their electorates. They will all turn to their local publishers, regardless of where that might be across New Zealand, and know that those local publications, in whatever form it might be, whether it's radio or print or digital, are the ones who will show some interest in the MP for Invercargill or for West Coast or Wairarap or wherever it might be. They know the value of journalists right across the country with an interest in what they're doing for their specific community. Absolutely, they know the value of a broad range of media right across every pocket of New Zealand. They also know that you can go beyond the news 
use media, you can use social media channels, create your own memes, do whatever. So there's a lot of ways you can get a message out to the public these days that don't involve talking to a journalist. Well, that's true, but but that's not really spoke, speaking to your local community about what worries them and, and the kind of element, you know, the kind of things they need done for their community. That's a bit of that's that's a bit of a game approach, if you like, to it. I mean, let's face it, New Zealand voters. Still, they'd like to know who their local MP is. They'd like to be able to see them at the local market or the local show and go up and have a conversation with them. Again, it's one of the beauties of New Zealand politics that that's still the case. So um, that that direct connection and that direct knowing that your MP understands the issues that matter to you in their electorate is still hugely, hugely valuable and hugely important. Well, your um, opinion piece that you wrote uh, this week in advance of the hearing... Uh, saying how important it was. Uh, a lot of newspapers found space to publish uh, <laughs> publish that, uh, which I guess you're pleased about. But look in that, you said this will be a momentous week uh, for the media, potential game changer. So now that that's happened, the select committee's listened, uh, has it helped? I think so. I mean, I, I think, you know, that was a pretty intense two and a half hours and um, the MPs on that select committee, they earned their money yesterday. There was a lot of information. There were no breaks. There, were, there was a, uh, a good, robust debate with a whole lot of different ideas coming into it. Um, and, and the point that I made in the op-ed, here's an opportunity for the media in New Zealand to make their case, to state why they think that there's a breakdown in the market here and why they think legislation is necessary for it. So I think they did that well. I think the interesting element here too that comes into it is, um, and, and given the nature of it, there wasn't a huge amount of time for each of those uh, those people to discuss um, artificial intelligence and, and what the option here is. And I know Minister Lee yesterday evening made a comment around the fact that the legislation as it stands at the moment really doesn't address uh, AI and particularly generative AI, which is the form of the technology that creates content, images, words, whatever. The opportunity, I think, here is for New Zealand to actually come up with world-leading legislation. In all elements like this, you build on what other countries have done. So we know Australia's introduced the first legislation around this. Canada's followed. New Zealand potentially is going to be the third. Neither of those two address in any detailed way or, or upfront way the challenges of artificial intelligence, what it means to the media and why the payment by companies who are developing those chatbots should fairly recompense the media companies whose content they're using to build those machines. So here's an opportunity for New Zealand to come out, add a clause or or a, a focus, if you like, within this legislation that directly addresses artificial intelligence and lead the world with the way that is described and the obligation on those companies to fairly recompense the media companies whose content they're using. Yeah, the potential impact of generative AI, for a lot of people it feels kind of abstract. Sinead Boucher at the hearings, uh, the stuff uh, owner, she um, referred to it, she said, potential extinction-level event um, that mirrored the wording of a, a, a piece in the New Yorker online that went and circulated a lot of journalists because this is really taking off in the States already. And the point was made there that when a Google AI app, if, if search becomes integrated into AI technology, that will stop users... Um, or in fact, effectively retain them in Google's own kind of search product or interface or whatever we call it, uh, which means even fewer people seeking, seeking information, which will be informed by news media, will end up 
on the websites or the destinations or the apps of the news organisations who created it. So no no linking back and things no like that. No linking back, no revenue at all. <clears throat> and, and what's the end game with that? If that means that the, the companies that produce the reportage around the Port Hill fires no longer exist, where's the accurate information about what's happening down in Christchurch at the moment? Where's that going to come from that then informs the chatbot that I've just gone to to say what's happening down in the Port Hills of Christchurch? It'll be blank. Nobody will know because Google, none of these companies employ journalists in New Zealand to actually tell you what's going on. So, A bit, a bit like when paywalls go up and then... Sometimes things cannot be as freely circulated as the stuff that's free, which might not be as good or might be. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's generally said that 1994 was the year of the internet. That's when it exploded. There was creation of servers all around the world and and it was the game changer. The narrative at the moment, what's being said at the moment is this year is the year of AI and its impact will be substantially greater than the internet was back in 1994. I I think at the end of the year, we're going to see its application in so many ways in our lives. Uh, It will surprise us. We'll look back at February of this year and go, my God, I really didn't understand the extent or the impact this was going to have. And just one final thing, just separate to the bill. Um, When we talk about all these things that have changed so much in the last 20 years or post-internet, whatever, one thing that kind of hasn't is the regulatory framework New Zealand media operate under. Um, They've had about three goes in the last 20 years at saying we need something joined up, modern. The Labor government, former Labor government, was was running a a program to create a kind of one-stop shop digital age regulator. Uh, None of of that's really happened. So we've still got these pre-internet era advertising regulators, broadcasting one, the media council, all of that. Uh, Do you think that will ever change with any impetus... For, for that? Because that's still a live issue. It's in the briefing to the incoming minister that this is still something that hasn't been tackled. True. Um, I, I, my understanding is that is that, that will be looked at. It's partly why um, the MPA and, and potentially the Radio Broadcast Association, their view around this particular legislation is that the correct authority to manage it is the Commerce Commission. It's, it, it's a commercial issue. Um, rather than the Broadcasting Standards Authority, the BSA, has been the one that overlooks this thing. I I wouldn't be surprised if the government were to look at the BSA and say, well, what is the definition of broadcasting now? I mean, at the moment, it applies to a limited number of media companies, and yet every media company in this country is a broadcaster. Everybody's producing a podcast or something on YouTube. So it makes more sense to have something like the UK's Ofcom, Office Absolutely. of Communications, regulating yeah. all forms of communication. Yeah, so, so certainly there were a number of remarks yesterday saying that this is one part of a, of, a, of a broader review of the media in New Zealand and what is the right frameworks and the right way to approach it. Yeah, but for now, it was said, clinging on by the fingertips, this is urgent, even under the Labor plan, if, uh, if the, the fair digital news bargaining bill came in, it wouldn't be in place to, um, to be able to backstop or create arbitration if needed be until the end of this year or so effectively early 2025 you know um you think it's that urgent that it, it needs to happen no later than that absolutely i mean I, I, and again if we look at the australian and uh, particularly the australian because it's been in uh, in place for a couple of years now uh, let's say the canadian there's been no need to go to arbitration there the the fact that 
the negotiations were triggered between the big tech companies and the media companies has ended up with a good result. And I suspect we would see the same here in New Zealand. Uh, the, the arbitration is really the, the last resort step, if you like. It, it's, it's building that framework that says, come on, Google, come on, Meta, you need to get in a room and have an intelligent commercial negotiation with the media companies in New Zealand. That's the key. That was the News Publishers Association's Public Affairs Director, Andrew Holden. Well, here at Media Watch, we've also asked to talk to the Media Minister, Melissa Lee, about her government's plans for the media, including that fair digital news bargaining bill. She has yet to take up our invitation. But on the day that media bosses urged the government to back the bill, reporters at Parliament elsewhere doorstopped her to ask, will you? Uh, well, you know what my position was in opposition. Uh, it is currently going through select committee process and I wanted that to actually happen so that we can actually hear from the submitters and I'll make due consideration after the process. So it can well still go through? I don't know what the select committee is going to produce. Do you support the bill in its current form? No, I don't. Why not? I think there are a lot of things that are actually missing from it. And I have always actually said if the uh, platforms are actually monetizing uh, from the news of, uh, uh, use of news, they should pay for it. Uh, that is not something that the media have actually reflected. That is what I said. But uh, I think in terms of um, uh, you know, uh, search function, I don't think that is something that people, uh, uh, people should actually have to pay for. Nor if I'm actually sharing a news uh, on my Facebook uh, page where the meta should actually pay for that. But there are other things that are actually happening where platforms are actually monetizing. And I've always actually said that they should pay for it. Is there anything else missing? You say there are a few things missing. Was I there? think there are, I, the the bill doesn't actually reflect the AI uh, and what it's actually doing. And I think you know, I think the select committee process will actually produce some answers. I'm not so sure it will actually produce all of the answers. And so I will look at the bill after the select committee process to see whether it actually goes forward. Thank you, Minister. The Minister of Media and Communications, Melissa Lee, there telling reporters after Thursday's select committee hearing. She doesn't support the fair digital news bargaining bill in its current form, and she says she'll wait and see what the Economic Development Science and Innovation Committee says about it. So, more to come on all this clearly, and we'll follow it all right here on Media Watch. Well, that's all we have for you in Media Watch this weekend, but we'll be back with more on the media on Midweek Media Watch next Wednesday after 9.30 on Nights with Emile Donovan. And then we'll be back again with more Media Watch at the same time next weekend here on RNZ National.